0: live from inside your speakers this is hardcore casual your place for weekly gaming and entertainment news please welcome your host whack ops greetings from earth this is not your leader my name is Wack ops how you doing welcome to hardcore casual episode 18 happy halloween weekend to everybody this week we have a scary amount of news Just starting off with the, obviously, the Grand Theft Auto Trilogy, the Definitive Edition. We finally got some gameplay on that. That's dope. Uh, We're going to go ahead and detail some of the things we saw over at the Sony State of Play this week. We're also going to go ahead and talk about this Nintendo Online Expansion Pack and all the controversy we've been hearing out of that. And finally, to end the show, we're going to have our trigger warning topic of the week, and we're going to talk about the death of physical media. Very interesting conversation on the back end of the show, so please stick around for that. Before we go ahead and jump into it, I do want to remind everyone that you can hit up the show by reaching out to our social media channels, either Twitter or Instagram. Either way, we are at WACOPS, W-H-A-C-K-O-P-Z. You can also, if you want to write into the show, please reach us at our email. That's WACOPS at Gmail, W-H-A-C-K-O-P-Z. O-P-Z at gmail.com. Please write in with any questions or comments or, hey, if you just want to hate on the show, you can write in there too. And then we're going to see what could make the show next week in our community segment. With that being said, let's go ahead and jump right into the headliners where we tell you what made the front page this week in games and entertainment. And of course, no better place to start than with the Grand Theft Auto, the trilogy, the definitive edition That is a mouthful. I'm sure we're going to get tired of saying that. I already am. Um, But outside of just the title of the, the trilogy that they're releasing, let's talk about some of the changes that were actually made to this definitive edition compared to what we got in the PS2 generation. So starting off, we got some quality of life fixes. For those of us who have tried out some of the old trilogy as of late, I have in the last year, and those controls were rough, so expect modern control scheme and layout, which honestly is the biggest sticking point for me. Improved driving, shooting, and movement, that is huge. We're also going to get a weapon wheel and a radio wheel, so we won't have to toggle through. I'm mostly talking to my old heads on this, but trust me, there are some major gameplay features that we live through that I'm glad we won't have to deal with again. We also got a map update. The map, the mini map specifically, will be a little bit bigger. And we also are going to have the option of placing waypoints, which is a big deal. You actually had to learn the open world before and actually have to maneuver through it without knowing the optimum way to go or if you were going the right direction. It made for a lot of really fun shortcuts, though. The other quality of life fix that they made was you're able to restart missions immediately after failing them. Before you had to start at your last save, go find the mission, sit through a cutscene again, and then start the mission again. Now you will be able to just start the mission. That is beautiful. Next, let's talk about the real controversy that it seems like people had a problem with outside of the price point, but we'll get into that too. It's the visual overhaul. So it is made in Unreal Engine, and they chose to keep the same stylistic art design. It's pretty cartoonish. But again, with the technology that they were working with at the time, if they're trying to stay true to the look and feel of the game, they're going to have to make it a bit cartoony again. And so you heard a lot of jokes like, man, why does it look like this game? Why does it look like that game? And at the end of the day, I think they really did their best job to thread the needle between what we were playing back in 2004 And what we're going to be playing in 2021. That is a huge, huge difference in terms of where graphics have come in that time. So the main thing that you're going to notice if you did play the old ones or you just look at a side by side is the lighting. Huge, huge changes in lighting. Characters in the world just have more life. We also have characters with fingers instead of just block hands. But fans are definitely mixed on this one. And I think age might be a factor. If you played those games, even a little bit, or you remember them, I think your opinion on this is definitely more excitement than deterrence, unless you really think that these characters are sitting in that uncanny valley. I personally did not, but either way, I'm very excited to get my hands on this one. It should be noted that Rockstar has pulled down the original trilogy, I was lucky enough to grab it before it was pulled down, at least on PC and I believe on PlayStation. So at the very least, I have them bagged somewhere, but it it is a little disappointing. That is a sticking point with me. Like You did not have to pull down the old ones for you to put out these new ones and let people choose. Mass Effect, for example, you could buy the trilogy that's the Legendary Edition, or you can go ahead and play the originals as they were put out in the first place. Now... This game is going to cost $60 for all three. You cannot purchase these games separately. The digital release is going to be happening on November 11th, and the physical release, that is the discs and the cartridge for the Nintendo Switch, on December 7th. Now, really cool detail the last really cool detail about this, because I do have to touch on one more thing Xbox Game Pass is going to be getting San Andreas on November 11th. And PS Now is going to be getting GTA 3 on December 7th. That that is huge news because that means a a gigantic portion of the player base can experience some of these older games without that barrier to entry that is the $60 cost. And I'm not necessarily rooting for Take-Two and <laughs> and Rockstar to to resell us the same game again. I do appreciate. I I like when companies. Try and adapt some of these older titles. To a newer fan base. Just because I want some of, the, some of the kids. To understand where we're coming from. When we talk about how fun some of these games were. One quick note about the Nintendo physical release. It will likely require a download. Meaning all three games are not going to fit on that cartridge. Um, for all of you collectors out there. They are expensive to produce and quite frankly, you know, though it is not quite 100% confirmed, I don't I don't like the track record that Take-Two has with releasing games on Nintendo consoles because you still have to download most of NBA 2K, LA Noire, etc. So I definitely expect these games to have to be downloaded. So if you were considering on holding your breath and waiting for the physical release, definitely keep your ear out to even see if it'd be worth it assuming you want it all on the one cartridge. But let's move on. We've talked plenty about Grand Theft Auto. Let's go ahead and jump into a couple of details about some other new titles that are coming up in the next, well, year or so. So first, let's start with Horizon Forbidden West. We got some new details um, via the PlayStation blog this week. They detail new traversal options. Um, They also showed off little, well, they alluded to a new expanded skill tree and customization options, as well as new combat features. I'm really excited about this. Quite frankly, I saw a lot of people getting really excited about this little PlayStation blog post, but I didn't see that much that was brand new. Maybe they gave us a couple of nuggets here and there, but either way, I'm definitely expecting quite a big marketing push once we get past December. Come January, I expect a lot of bigger details, maybe some story details, coming out um, before February 18th. Next, let's go ahead and talk about Starfield. This week, we got literally a 90-second video, but this was from Bethesda. They posted it to their YouTube channel, and it was a video detailing the Settled Systems game locations. That is essentially where we're going to be playing the game, the location of the game. It detailed some little aspects about the lore, as well as the major players in the space, um, including factions, and showed off some character models. Now, these weren't official character models. These were, you know, concept art. But yet and still, it is nice to see the direction of the game. So definitely check that out. It won't take up too much of your time. And I am paying attention to this new drip feed marketing strategy coming from Bethesda but that's to under microsoft specifically but i'm not sure if that has to do with microsoft or the fact that this is a brand new ip moving on let's go ahead and talk about halo and that new campaign trailer we got on monday first of all for those of you who are wondering if you haven't seen it yet don't worry the graphics look way better than e3 2020 don't worry craig has definitely been cleaned up Uh, he, he's looking good. So don't trip on that. The, the combat, we finally actually got a look at the gameplay in the campaign. If we didn't necessarily get a lot of story in the campaign, mostly combat and, um, what a lot of the objectives in between the story missions and progress looks like it looks engaging the vehicles, the weapons, the traversal. It looks good. It looks fun. It looks like something that I definitely would want to play. I think a lot of Halo fans are skeptical about a couple of different things including the upgrade or skill tree that they seem to have implemented into the Halo franchise. I'm curious how that plays out. Let's hope that it's really light or balanced and it's not too heavy-handed as to not piss off the initial player base, the, the you know, the the big fan base that Halo is. It's also curious because it looks like this is going to be a hub based open world, meaning you're going to have like biomes, essentially, that you bounce in and out of or you progress through. I don't necessarily have a problem with it, um, but my only concerns really are the checklist open world format. I hope that it's not so, you know, hit these five things in this area and then three things in this area and you're done or fetch quests or, you know obviously there was a lot of bases shown off that you have to destroy and clear out very ubisoft-esque but i'm not gonna put that all on them because quite frankly we haven't seen enough yet and we're probably not going to see a lot until reviews start coming in and we actually get our hands on the game i think this was one of the last big pieces to drop hopefully they're saving a little bit for the xbox 20th anniversary but without a lot of story in the campaign trailer Let's hope that is a sign that they're doing good things and not that they're rushing to finish crucial aspects of the game. Now, that's enough of the headline news. Let me give you the monthly releases for November real quick, and then we're going to move on to the Word on the Street segment. So, first things first. November 5th, we have Call of Duty Vanguard and the Animal Crossing Happy Home Paradise DLC. On November 9th, we have Forza Horizon 5. That is definitely 100% a pickup for me. On 11 we have Skyrim Anniversary Edition. If you haven't bought it yet, yes, you have. You're lying. Grand Theft Auto, the trilogy, is also dropping on November 11th. Excuse me, the Definitive Edition. So definitely check that out. But if you are on Game Pass or PS Now, you might want to check it out before you buy. On November 12th, we have... Shin Megami Tensei Five. I'm very excited for those of you that are into the Persona series. Good for y'all. Another entry. And on November 19th, we're getting three games, two of which are Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Pokemon Shining Pearl. And of course, the much controversial, the much anticipated Battlefield 2042. As far as Battlefield goes, I'm definitely holding my breath on that one. I'm going to see what the reviews say, see what all the different youtubers and content creators and people who really sink their teeth into these things are saying about this game because that is definitely the big question mark on the board for me i think everything else if you're a fan of any of these big franchises you're already locked in it's just a matter of who knows maybe battlefield people might pick up call of duty or vice versa I'm excited to see how Forza Horizon 5 is taken, because I think this is like one of the biggest high-profile releases for them to date. Yeah, there's a lot going on in the month of November. I hope you guys are ready to lose some sleep. Without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into the Word on the Street segment, where we talk rumors, gossip, and controversy. I wanted to get one thing out of the way before I jump into all the gaming news I found out just a couple of hours ago that Facebook changed its name, if you guys haven't heard about this, to META, as in M-E-T-A. I I, I really hate them. I have no commentary other than to say that I really hate it. I, I have a new slogan for them, though, if they'd like to try it out. META, where reality goes to die. That seems pretty fitting for Facebook and what we've known of them as of late. <laughs> if you're on Facebook, I would imagine it's probably because you have a Oculus quest. And if you don't have an Oculus quest and you're on Facebook, please leave. It's not good for you. Unless you're supporting content creators on Facebook Gaming, in which case I can't really blame you there. Anyway, let's stop talking about Facebook and get into another fantastic wonderful enterprise that we love to talk about on this program and that is Ubisoft and their interesting new marketing strategy. They've begun taunting players via email. Now this is according to GameSpot. Far Cry 6 have been flooding players' inboxes who have stopped playing. If you stopped playing over the last week or so, you have been getting mocked uh with your stats listed and the in-game protagonist mocking you in these emails, which, you know, honestly, it's not that big of a deal, but I definitely thought it was interesting in terms of a marketing strategy. Let me read you a quote from GameSpot. Quote, gamesindustry.biz managing editor Brendan St. Clair first pointed this out in an email he received from Ubisoft, showing Far Cry 6 main protagonist, Anton Castillo, looking at him directly in the eyes. The message that came with the email was, quote, it was amusing to watch you fail. It continues. Hola, Rojas. I wanted to thank you for giving me free reign on Yara. Take it easy and know that Yara is in capable hands. The message continues. (laughs) This is referencing the game's main character, Danny Rojas, and their fight for the country of Yara. So, you know, it's tongue in cheek. And I could see how, you know, this could work as a marketing strategy. Honestly, it only kicked up some dust because this is only things that you really see in multiplayer games and games as a service. Which, as we know, Ubisoft has been trying to make every single major franchise a multiplayer, game as a service, microtransaction, hell. And it's all grindy and case in point with far cry and quite frankly i think that's what the reason is they probably have some statistics somewhere saying like increased play time leads to increased microtransaction purchases so i i'm not surprised that they're doing this i just think it is a little bit petty and childish uh to be teasing your player base in in such a way only because you know Let's say I did have a microtransaction problem. This isn't helping me. <laughs> and I know that's a, a small percentage of the consumer base, but I don't know, I'm not a big fan of companies taunting their their customers. Anyway, moving on, that's enough of Facebook and Ubisoft. Let's talk about another company. <laughs> we're talking about let's talk about Warner Brothers and this supposed platform fighter that's in the works. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I only believe this because of the screenshot and the fact that it got pulled down. Let me start from the beginning. It started off as a Reddit post, and then it was then verified on Twitter by Jeff Grubb. Now, the next day, a screenshot was posted by Hungry Box or Liquid Hbox on Twitter, and he posted a screenshot of a Cartoon Network Smash clone, just like the Nickelodeon one we just got this last month now it is officially cartoon network's turn to hop in the pool so the post on twitter and there was an associative youtube video was later taking debt taken down and that completely legitimized the claims once warner brothers was striking these images off of social media that pretty much let us know that this is actually happening now I'm I'm too excited to believe it quite frankly because when I read you this character list, your jaw might just hit the floor. So, here's who's supposed to be in this new game from Cartoon Network and Warner Brothers. Tom and Jerry, Batman, Superman, Shaggy from uh Scooby-Doo, Rick and Morty, Steven Universe, Gandalf and Bugs Bunny. That is truly the most random assortment of characters that I could think of. And I understand that WB owns a weird kind of amalgamation of different franchises, but wow, I you should have seen the memes, man. I just don't want, I don't know how to feel about Shaggy facing off against Gandalf. You know what I mean? I don't know how I feel about Batman versus Tom and Jerry. Like, I feel like you're you're dogging out Batman in that situation. Like, oh, okay, I'll say this. Any character that's even remotely serious, I feel like it waters down just a little bit if you get beat up by, like, Steven Universe. <laughs> but the, never mind. Moving on. Uh, Nobellion on Twitter later went on to read some details. Now, this is him uh, reading directly from Jeff Grubb on his podcast. He dropped some details. So, quote, Grubb just dropped some new details on Warner Brothers' upcoming platform fighter, multi-verses so according to the source it looks kind of cheap it could be a free-to-play title the future characters will be sold as dlc that sounds like a cheap free-to-play title to me and of course their first dlc fighter could be warner brothers very own lebron james okay what is going on what is going on, bro? I I don't I don't know what's happening. I don't want to play as LeBron James, but I I'm probably going to try this game out. I I'm just too curious to see if it's any good. I'm definitely going to pass it off to my homie who's into platform fighters. He's really big into Smash. He tried out the Nickelodeon game recently. I'm going to see what he thinks of the latest gaming trend and that is licensed IP smash clones. Because it looks like WB and Nickelodeon were just waiting for Sakurai to retire. So I don't know. Who knows? We got to see more of this. We have no release window. We have no details on it. But the fact that Warner Brothers struck it down lets us know that this is actually happening and I can't wait. I really can't. I think this is probably one of the dumbest things I've seen in gaming in a long, long time. Moving on, let's get into some uh, another rumor that's really exciting and weird i, I don't know what's happening uh this week it gaming. what's in the water uh what's in the air what people are doing but apparently there's a wu-tang clan rpg in development now this is according to not only jez gordon of windows central but also jeff grubb of venture beat podcast so i'm gonna read you from windows central quote I heard about a potential Wu-Tang Clan-themed game some months ago, but Jeff Grubb verified my information on his podcast, adding extra weight to the info I'd received. Funnily enough, a viewer on his podcast asked Grubb if the developer was Brass Lion Entertainment, which lined up directly with what I'd heard also. In details I revealed on my Xbox 2 podcast, I've heard that Shaolin is a third-person melee-oriented RPG complete with four-person co-op. The campaign is planned to run for a couple of dozen hours, complete with a rich endgame comprised of season content drops and other updates. You will be able to obtain loot, weapons, gear, and so on in both procedural endgame dungeons and more tailor-made events. Also, it appears that the legendary hip-hop group Wu-Tang Clan themselves will be heading up the game's soundtrack wow i okay let's just let's talk about the game first and then we can talk about the wu tech clan part i would play a third person melee oriented rpg with four player co-op and rich end game and content drops and loot and weapons and dungeons and gear yeah that sounds all right and when you add the fact that it is, I hate to use the word canonical, but like with the Wu-Tang Clan's history, they've been around for so long, It's they are very much in love with like the whole Kung Fu time period in terms of film. They They use a lot of different martial arts tropes in their music and in their movies. They're nerds. They're nerds. And I'm really hyped, because I, I think Wu-Tang Clan is a perfect group to throw into something like this, and I miss, I miss so much the the crossover between hip-hop and gaming, you know what I mean? And I hope that we can bring that back, because that was a fun, fun, fun time in gaming, bro. Def Jam, Fight for New York, and Vendetta, NBA Street Volume 2, GTA, San Andreas, all of these things... All of these games greatly influenced by hip-hop culture. And I would argue a lot of rappers today probably grew up with these games. But I'm excited to see what uh, the developers put together for Wu-Tang Clan. And I really hope they don't put Wu-Tang Clan out there uh, looking looking bad. I I really want to legitimize more hip-hop influence in the gaming space. And bring about uh, some proper representation of, I mean, I won't even say, I would say like music in gaming. Because I feel like there are definitely a lot of games that lean to either classical or like metal and hard rock. And I'd like to see a little bit, or electric music. So I'd like to see more hip-hop in games. Like when I was a kid, I feel like the early 2000s really, really took on hip-hop as like a fun backdrop to their their games. And I want to see more of that but with that we're going to actually go ahead and jump into our first break and when we come back we're going to jump into the real where we talk about all our movie news and of course we're going to talk about our platform wars segment where we jump into sony and nintendo because both of them gave us something to tear into this week but without further ado thank you very much my name is WackOps ops and this is hardcore casual Welcome back to Hardcore Casual, everybody. My name is Wack Ops. Let's go ahead and jump right into the real, where we break down the latest in movie and TV news. Let's go ahead and start with the box office numbers, because Dune blew it up. $40.1 million in U.S. ticket sales globally now has already reached over $200 According to The Hollywood Reporter... This was the best three-day opening for any Warner Brothers film since they instituted the pandemic day-and-date policy. If you don't know, they have promised to release all their major films, both in the, in the movie theater and on HBO Max, day-and-date, uh, until the end of this year. Dune included in that. So, Dune 2 uh, has already been confirmed by a Warner Brothers statement. Very excited for Dune, very excited for uh, all the actors and the crew and the director and all those folks who work so hard on the film. I'm curious to see where this goes. I'm wondering if this goes the way of like Star Wars and Harry Potter, or I wonder if it'll go the way of Avatar where, yes, it was this big shining moment, but then it can't quite get off the ground or it just takes a long time to get done let's hope that there isn't a long turnaround as a lot of the actors are young in this and i would love to see a follow-up soon now apparently the release for dune 2 has already been set for october 2023 so i'm i'm curious how they're going to push that out uh during all this pandemic stuff especially when you see a lot of other companies moving their movie releases back Next, let's go ahead and talk about a Spider-Man No Way Home spoiler. So if you don't want to know any more about Spider-Man No Way Home because it's already been revealed enough to you, then go ahead and skip about mm, three minutes. I won't give it too much time. Now, are they gone? Perfect. According to Empire Magazine, Sandman and Lizard have been confirmed for Spider-Man No Way Home. Now, I'm going to be reading to you from Empire Magazine via IGN. Quote, According to the magazine, rhinds Iphans Lizard, Dr. Kurt Connors from The Amazing Spider-Man, as well as Thomas Hayden Church's Sandman, Flint Marco, from Spider-Man 3, will be joining the growing list of villains in No Way Home. Now, this means that the Sinister Six is nearly confirmed. We already know Doc Ock Green Goblin, Electro, Sandman, and Lizard are there. Who is going to be that sixth member? My bet, personally, is on the Vulture, um, because you can't get enough Michael Keaton in these superhero movies, apparently. But other options are, you know, Scorpion, Mysterio, and if those of you who have seen some post-credit scenes as of late, you know that Venom could pop up. Anything is possible. I'm very curious... Where they go with this film because this is commonly being referred to now as Spider Man Endgame, which makes me even more sad to see this series end. Now, spoilers are over. Let's go ahead and talk about this next rumor, which is huge news. Honestly, I'm almost as excited for this as the Spider Man film. Apparently, a new Hulk. Movie is in development. You heard me. The Incredible Hulk is apparently getting another film, and this one is going to be in the MCU. Now, this is according to Geeks Worldwide. Quote The GWW has learned that the Hulk movie is on the way, and it's currently being called World War Hulk. Yes, we finally have a new solo Hulk film in active development at Marvel Studios and we are told it is currently slated to start production in late 2022 likely following the events of the upcoming She-Hulk series on Disney Plus. This is huge. Huge. I'm so excited. Oh my god, dude. I I feel so bad for Hulk fans cuz he's honestly a super cool character but he's too powerful. He's always been too powerful for the MCU and Hulk fans have been done dirty. If you're a fan of Bruce Banner, his story, his story arcs, what he's had to go through as as a car, uh, as a comic book character, he has a very very textured uh, story. Now, I am gonna take this with a big grain of salt because they said they're gonna start production in late 2022, and we just saw Marvel push back their entire slate of movies, but there were some. Unannounced, untitled movies on that list. So maybe one of them was the Hulk. Honestly, I hope that it is. That would be amazing. Now, in the comics, Worldbreaker Hulk, who is the World War Hulk that they're referring to, it was him versus the Illuminati, that being Black Panther and Doctor Strange and Captain America and Professor X and blah, blah, blah. The X-Men and the Avengers. So he went up against everybody and did it. You know what I mean? He smashed everyone. He, he blew up the world, basically. And the World War Hulk storyline has already been partially done in Thor Ragnarok. So I'm curious to see how they kind of stitch together canonically all of this with Hulk. But I would love, absolutely love to see hulk on the big screen and see his story arc carried out not being attached to or having to rely solely on the avengers as a driving force for his character in other superhero news let's go ahead and shift our focus over to dc because michael b jordan's val zod project has been announced as an HBO show. Now, this is according to deadline. Quote: Darnell Matteo and Josh Peters are set to write Valzad, the HBO Max adaptation that Michael B. Jordan's Outlier Society is producing for DC Entertainment and Warner Brothers Television. Now, if you're not familiar with Darnell Matteo and Josh Peters, they are the writers of American Snow, The Nola, and Hannibal all of these um, decently popular television shows. I've seen some of American Snow, um, and I've heard good things. I've also heard good things about Hannibal. I have not heard anything about Nola yet, but I'll have to catch up on it. Now, this show does not have a release date yet, but fans definitely want to see Michael B. Jordan play Val Zod, a.k.a. Black Superman of Earth 2. If you're not familiar with the comics, Definitely look up Val Zied. Dope, dope character. Very much um, kind of in parallel with kal L, our Superman that you're familiar with from Earth-One. But honestly, the only thing I'm disappointed about is that this is not a, a feature-length film. I would love to have this be a feature-length film, but I know why it's not. They don't have the budget for it, uh, both in marketing and casting and production they're going to see what he can do with a smaller budget first before they really give him the keys. But let's hope that this is very successful because I want to see more of what Michael B. Jordan's production company could do. Uh, I think Black Production Company in Hollywood is huge. And I don't think that that should be an undertold aspect of this film. It's not just a Black Superman film, it is also, or show, excuse me, it's not just a Black Superman show, it's also a show that is being produced by a Black-owned business. So I'm I'm very excited for that. Now, that's enough of The Real. Let's go ahead and jump into our next segment, and that is The Platform Wars, where we keep a pulse on the major platforms in the gaming space and where they're headed to next. So no Microsoft this week. I kind of spread out some of their stories throughout the episode. Quite frankly, I think Sony and Nintendo had a much more eventful week. So let's go ahead and jump right into it with our first story on sony let's go ahead and talk about playstation pc now this is from vgc quote on wednesday steam users noticed that the platform holders pc releases had their publisher switched to playstation pc llc from the previous playstation mobile label what does this mean well it seems as though that playstation wanted to dabble in the mobile space But it looks as though they're making a very concerted and hard pivot toward the PC gaming space as it's more likely to pull down money now and potentially in the long run because I think free-to-play games might burn out or mobile games might burn out and I think they're definitely going to be branding themselves more toward the PC space. Now this comes along last week's announcement that God of War is going to be coming to PC on January 14th. Uncharted was also announced to be coming in 2022, but has yet to get a release date. That is Uncharted, the legacy edition. And then Horizon Zero Dawn just dropped this last August on PC. So it's definitely nice to see that PlayStation is trying to put their games out there. And I definitely think they're going to be working really hard to expand that catalog on the PC side trying to keep up with the Microsoft side, of course. Now, Nix's software, which was acquired by Sony back in July, specializes in porting games from consoles to PC, and it seems like they've been busy. Let's see if Sony's actually moving toward a day and date PC releases. Spawnway Plus had a really good video on Sony and PC's relationship, and this was before the announcement of the branding change. Next, let's talk about a Sony PlayStation exclusive, and that is Returnal. It just got an update 2.0 this last week. Now, this is from PlayStation Blog. It allows players to create a one-time save or suspend state, uh, which was huge. This was probably one of the most controversial aspects of the game was the fact that you had to complete a run and could not walk away from your game if you're busy. If you only have an hour a day, two hours a day to play the game, if you're on a really good run and you're trying to beat the game in one run, it literally makes it impossible without being able to create at least a one-time save state or suspend cycle, as they're calling it. I think that's really cool, and I wish, honestly, more games implemented that. I'm really excited for that, but also it got a photo mode. And from what I could tell, a lot of people were really happy with the visuals and the art design behind this game. So I definitely want to see some good photos from this Returnal Update 2.0. All right. Enough messing around. Let's go ahead and talk about this Sony state of play. Whew. Well, they gave us a heads up and let us know that it was gonna be a third-party showcase. What they didn't say was it was going to be a indie and double A showcase. Now this upset a lot of people because they felt as though it could have been a press release or a tweet. I have mixed feelings on it. I think it is important to highlight double A and indie games, but I think it's important to let your consumers know what you're showing them so that they don't expect too much or too little or whatever. I know a lot of people who block out their schedules for events like this myself included and I could have missed it I mean not I could have missed it but you know I have a day job (laughs) I could have missed it but let's go ahead and get into the games that they actually showed off because I think there were some interesting titles in here that I think are accessible and a lot of people are going to want to check out so first thing they showed was a game called death verse let it die now this is coming in spring of 2022 you play as a character on a survival game show, and quite honestly, I'm not really sure what this is, but it looked like an arena brawler shooter type game. Small teams, free-for-all uh, survival mode. I'm looking at it almost like a battle royale on a much, much smaller scale. Uh, last one to survive. Looks interesting. Definitely check it out. It looks it looks definitely uh maybe a little toward younger audiences. Now the next thing that they showed was Bug Snacks: The Isle of Big Snacks. Now this is the new Bug Snacks DLC coming early 2022 and the big hook on this is there are new prehistoric Bug Snacks. Now I didn't quite beat the game, but my partners certainly liked it and I'm thinking we might pick this up. I'm going to have to see a little bit more information on it before it drops early 2022. Now, Five night at Freddy's fans, there is a new entry into the series. It is Five night at Freddy's Security Breach. This is coming to us December 16th, and it honestly it looks premium compared to past entries. Now, past entries were also on mobile and the origin of this game is definitely way 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 lower budget, but honestly I'm excited to see uh what this game is actually about cuz this looked Pretty textured, pretty in-depth for what I know Five Night at Freddy's to be. Next, they went ahead and announced that Death's Door, yes, the game that I've been trying to play and failing at, is coming to PS4 and PS5 on November 23rd. Now, that was not the big news from this announcement. It's also coming to Switch on November 23rd. Very, very excited to play this on mobile. They might get my money twice. But <laughs> if you haven't played this game, I definitely suggest playing it. Uh, I'm Honestly, wherever you can, uh, the visuals are wonderful, but I wouldn't be mad if you played it on your Switch, especially if you're one of those folks with a new Switch OLED. And lastly, the last game I wanted to kind of touch on was Little Devil Inside. This was what headlined the showcase. It also was given the most time. Honestly, it had an awesome art style. I was very excited with like what they were doing with the lighting, but I'm not sure what the game is. It started out like a walking sim and kind of moved into this combat heavy action RPG. But the graphic style is that of like the tourist I have to see more of this. I have to see the synopsis on this. I'm going to do some reading on this game in particular, but it seems like the general consensus is give us more. I think a lot of people saw this game were like, I'm curious, but I definitely think uh, without a release date and without more information, this one's definitely you're going to hold your breath on for a while. Now, a lot of people were disappointed by the Sony, the Sony state of play, but... Honestly, it's getting to that point in the year where I'm not expecting huge announcements because we're locked and loaded for the big Christmas uh, holiday buying season. So as far as that's concerned, unless you're really paying close attention to some of these releases that looked buggy during their betas or things like that, Battlefield, then I think you're pretty much set on what you're going to be buying this year. But again, they could always surprise us with a little bit more. I hope that we don't, honestly, I hope we don't get another State of Play till like December. Uh, I, could, I could take a month off from Sony State of Plays and Nintendo. And outside of the 20th anniversary celebration, I'm not saying that I'm not excited for more games announcements. But unless they have something to actually show us, I think I'm good. I think they can just put two of these together and pack it out you know, instead of giving these little content drops just to kind of satiate the gaming gaming Twitter, basically. Just give gaming Twitter something else to complain about. But let's go ahead and move on into Nintendo. We got a little bit to talk about with Nintendo. Now, let's start first with the Jerry Rig Everything PSA. Now, if you know anything about Jerry Rig everything he is a YouTube content creator and he destroys your hardware so that you don't have to and he broke down a Nintendo switch OLED again for the purposes of giving it a durability rating so that you understand what you have in your hands and protect it properly he gave it a low durability grade uh because the Nintendo plastic cover on the screen is meant to protect you if glass breaks and keep it from scattering all over the place but it doesn't actually protect the screen itself from breaking in the first place so i don't do this too often but i'm going to implore you please if you have a new nintendo switch oled model buy a screen protector the glass one the good one the, the diamond uh certified all that because it definitely will scratch and you know, it possibly could, like, crack pretty easily. The same way your phone cracks. You know what I mean? It's not plastic like the Switch where you can kind of be a little rough with it. This is not a children's toy in the same way that a lot of Nintendo hardware has been in the past. Anyway, let's go ahead and jump into the real Nintendo news of the week. That was the Nintendo Online Expansion Pack struggles. I mean, my god, I, I haven't seen a a release this bad in a while i I'm, i almost want to compare it to a game's release because of the kinds of issues that are happening but at the same time i don't know that we've ever um run into a problem like this outside of literal individual titles being released in poor shape so let me go ahead and jump into it if you were one of the people who purchased nintendo switch online plus expansion pack You may have experienced some of these things. For those of us that did not pay for it, I did not myself, there were definitely some serious issues. Now first, if you bought the N64 controller, there were some issues with that, being able to connect to certain games or certain inputs weren't working for you, or just the inability to remap certain buttons, which is incredibly important for a lot of people, myself included. Now, beyond that, uh, Nintendo's netcode was just horrible over the week. Uh, A lot of people were not able to link up and play. I mean, honestly, I know a lot of people who bought this specifically to play old Mario Kart with their friends and are now unable to because the netcode does not work. Now, even if the netcode is working and you were able to race, a lot of people were dealing with either no sound, as in the music being cut, or straight up sound distortion, which made it sound quite frankly like a, a copy pasta. Uh, the recordings were uh, creepy and not fun to listen to. Um, now there were definitely quite a few specific game issues. Most of them that I saw, and if you were on Twitter, you definitely saw, was the Zelda Ocarina of Time uh, issues, the Mario Kart issues. And just certain games that you need really tight controls and you're not going to be able to get that with Switch and handheld mode. There's also save issues, input lag issues, and issues around designs and textures, specifically fog in Ocarina of Time. Now the biggest issues were the save and input lag issues. If you're not able to save your game, that's really tough. And if you're not able to um, react to what is happening in the game that's definitely going to be a tough one because that's kind of the whole point of an interactive medium a lot of people also still have problems with the price point me included i did not purchase it because i wanted to see if it was well worth it i do want to play ocarina of time but i and i don't have a wii u or a 2ds or anything but i also am not willing to put up with poor quality and input lag and not being able to save my game it just seems I don't know. Honestly, a lot of the issues seem kind of tedious and only really matter to, like, hardcores, speedrunners, and old heads, people who played on the original hardware, the N64. But some of these make the product a poor experience. Some of these are just bad. If I pay $50 for a year of this service, and let's say the first game I did boot up was Mario Kart, and the first thing I hear is these horrible, just... distorted compressed sounds coming out of this thing i'm i'm gonna be really annoyed i'm gonna want my money back and nintendo doesn't do that so i would say if you haven't purchased yet you've been holding your breath a couple of people who i think you can trust on this that have better information more in-depth information than me go ahead and check out emulation and nintendo creators on youtube mvg is a good emulation creator You also have Nintendo Life, who rarely pulls their punches, and Wolfden. I think he had a really good video on trying to get controllers to work. Now, let's go ahead and jump into our five minutes of football. This is a lightning round of flash highlights from the San Francisco 49ers and around the NFL. Now, first, let's talk about those week seven highlights. The Bengals. Made a hell of a statement game this last week. Cincinnati beating Baltimore bad. Cincinnati 41, Baltimore 17. That's a hell of a jump from last year, and Cincinnati is well deserving of some time in the sun for once. Now, the Chiefs continue to fall flat, now sitting at a 2-4 and four record. I am beyond baffled that a Andy Reid team has been losing this bad, and this last week proved it, only putting up three points against the Tennessee Titans. Final score, Tennessee 27, Kansas City 3. Now, that's last week. Let's go ahead and talk about NFL Week 8. Now, there are two games worth looking at in my opinion, and that is the one that is happening right now. That is the Green Bay Packers versus the Arizona Cardinals. The Green Bay Packers are 6-1. And, and The Cardinals are 7-0. and oh. This is definitely, at least in my opinion, a playoff matchup. I really hope these two teams meet. I remember back when Kurt Warner was still playing for the Arizona Cardinals, the Arizona Cardinals and the Green Bay Packers put together one of the greatest playoff games I've ever seen. Um, Easily one of the most high scoring I've ever seen. And I'm sure they're going to be playing highlights from that game if this one tonight is any good. And of course, y'all know I'm going to talk about my team. I think this is going to be interesting seeing the Chicago Bears versus the San Francisco 49ers. Now, my team is two and four. The Chicago Bears are three and four. It's not really that kind of game. It's definitely not a playoff preview. But I want to see a matchup between two rookie quarterbacks with Trey Lance on one side and Justin Fields on the other. I cannot wait to see a potential shootout between two young quarterbacks and two not great secondaries. (laughs) But let's go ahead and talk a little bit about the San Francisco 49ers. I will take my lumps. First things first, let's talk about Trey versus Jimmy. Quite frankly, After this last week, I don't have a lot of faith in Jimmy Garoppolo. I think you should ship him off as soon as you can because if this is a lost season, then let it be a lost season where the rookie quarterback gets reps. Straight up, I'm ready to put Trey in as soon as George Kittle gets back. If George Kittle is back, I say put Trey in because he is the biggest security blanket on the field and I think it's important that he starts getting work and I don't think Jimmy is going to be the one to give it to him. I hear a lot of the fan base calling for coaching change. And quite frankly, I said it last week, and I'm going to keep saying it. If you can name five coaches, not named Bill Belichick, that you would rather have over Kyle Shanahan, then I'm with you. But until you can do that, I don't think you can. I I don't don't think it's possible. I I don't want to get rid of a coach that could potentially go to another franchise and take them to a Super Bowl. Think about how Atlanta feels right now. Think about how Atlanta looks right now. That could be us without a coach who can coach up these players and put them in a position to win. And lastly, let's talk about my expectations for the second half of the season. I'm not too excited. Honestly, if Trey Lance is in, obviously this number is going to be a little fudgy, but assuming Jimmy Garoppolo plays at least four to five more games, three to four more games, I anticipate we're going to finish just under 500 at 8 and 9. If the rookies in there, maybe we win less games, but I anticipate winning less games would happen. Whatever games we win would happen on the back half of the season. So, this is definitely going to be an interesting roller coaster of a season and let's hope that Kyle Shanahan doesn't keep the fan base up too many more nights in a row because I can't I can't go through weeks like this again. It was, it was a gut-wrenching loss to the Indianapolis Colts. We did not deserve to win that game and I'm, I'm not surprised. That's why I'm not doing a recap of it. Moving on, let's go ahead and jump into our second break. And when we come back, we're going to jump right into our trigger warning topic of the week. And it is all about preservation versus innovation and the death Of physical media. So please stick around. We will be right back. My name is Wack Ops, and this is Hardcore Casual. Okay, guys, welcome back to Hardcore Casual. I'm your host, Wack Ops, and we're gonna jump into our signature segment of this show and that is the trigger warning topic of the week where we dissect deep dive and discuss one story that deserves more attention as i said before the break this week is all about preservation versus innovation and the death of physical media now why am i bringing this up now honestly it was a couple of things it was a couple of trends that i saw in recent weeks but the one that really sparked it was when i heard that all of the gta trilogy the definitive edition was not going to be fitting on the nintendo switch and then this also came alongside a rumor that came out this week from nick at xbox era podcast of a potential digital only switch to follow up the oled model now of course that is just a rumor but between the release of the xbox series s at launch being a digital only console as well as the ps5 digital edition being available at launch i think the industry is becoming a lot more comfortable with the idea of digital only gaming at least they have a financial incentive because it does cost money to press these games now that is before we get into the cloud gaming of it all and you look at the switch with The recent Kingdom Hearts coming via cloud. Dying Light 2 will be out on Nintendo Switch day one via the cloud. And Remedy has already released Control on the Switch being quite popular from what I understand. And it allows these hardware makers, I mean specifically Nintendo, but everyone. I think the Xbox Series S is definitely in that category in terms of aged hardware or soon-to-age hardware. And it helps these hardware makers extend the life of their aging hardware, which saves them money. If they can sell you the same console for 10 years instead of five, it saves them money in not only R&D, but marketing and this and that and this and so. So yes, that definitely uh, has not helped the cloud gaming craze. And if you look a little deeper, the supply chain shortage definitely has not helped it's actually accelerated the shift away from physical because people don't want to go to the store anymore. They don't want to go out anymore and wait in line for their next game release like I used to, like we used to. COVID has definitely scared off a lot of people from that aspect of physical releases. The co- The collectors are really the ones holding up a lot of the physical space to me. And then that's bes- beside the obvious environmental concerns of printing these discs that essentially are a waste of space, a waste of resources, or a waste of plastic and gas that it took to even get them there, to transport it there. And it's an incentive for customers, environmentally speaking, to download games rather than go to the store and buy them, and for publishers to move away from it because of the physical cost. Time saved, money saved. The strategy for businesses used to be all about the software and i mean it still is don't get me wrong but you know the vehicle of how they got a lot of that software to you was through these discs and as that becomes an obsolete model the business strategy has shifted a bit it's not just about the software it's about locking you into an ecosystem apple google amazon microsoft digital media and cloud gaming are tools For these companies to lower the barrier to entry for new and existing customers i know i sound like an ad but it's true ease of use is uh both a tool to help the the consumers but also one that can be anti-consumer it's just a matter of how you use these things and it's innovation it's not necessarily a bad thing in all cases but skepticism is absolutely valid absolutely valid. But I think for a lot of folks who are big on the game preservation side of physical media, uh, there are just far, far, far too many things working against it. What did we just name just now? You know what I mean? The industry is getting more comfortable because there's a financial and environmental incentive. Cloud gaming, the supply chain shortage, extending the life of aging hardware. Come on saves time it's hard to beat convenience and quite frankly you know for this i I will give this to the skeptics i will give this to those who are big in the game preservation you know perspective of physical media situations like nintendo's handling of n64 um you know the nintendo switch online expansion pack uh does not give me a lot of faith about the future of gaming in terms of ownership or preservation. On either side. Because if Nintendo can sell us a janky version of what we liked and knew. And we can't even own it. I can't even take it off this system and play it offline. I can't I can't take it to a friend's house and play it there. It's, it's difficult. It all has to be on the system. So, you know, inevitably we get to the question of this. With, with the end of physical media which is here it is at our doorstep do we own our games anymore do you own your games anymore the answer is no we're all renters now man all of us we're all just renting because when and if these services go away shut down or are pulled down you won't have access to these games you paid for it's 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 always ridiculous people are like oh what if Nintendo goes down as a company you lose all your Nintendo games. L- less likely. How about more likely? When the Nintendo eShop for the Switch is shut down, what happens to all those games? Like what's happening over at Sony? Best case scenario you get a company like Microsoft and They're doing their best to preserve these games, have backwards compat versions of these games, but they can only keep up. I feel bad when we're two generations ahead from now and people are trying to backwards compat these titles. That's when we're really going to see the brunt of this. In the next 10 years, I'd be surprised if most physical media isn't done through specialty places um, who do small releases of physical media. Or, I see a future where collectors of physical media will become the emulation nerds, so to speak, of today. If you really care about playing as close to the original content as possible, there's a good chance you're going to lean hard into emulation. I'm going to miss physical media, and if I'm honest, it's been dead for a long time, and thank God for emulation. Because if it weren't for them, I wouldn't have been able to play my favorite Pokemon games from when I was a kid, since I was a kid. <laughs> you know what I mean? I wouldn't have been able to play Pokemon Red, for example, since I was a kid, unless I was willing to go buy a new system or an old system, a used system from someone else. And every day that goes by, these products are becoming less and less likely to succeed or more likely to fail. So let's preserve the code. Let's preserve these games through emulation. We talked about emulation last week in res- in respect to Metroid Dread and piracy. But I I want to remind everyone that both physical media and emulation, you know, bootlegs or or, or ripping or a redubbing of, of games is, is going to be around forever. So don't worry too much. When I say the death of physical media, I, I'm being kind of cheeky because we still buy record players. Music hasn't gone away. People still have dark rooms and photography, even though digital photography is leaps and bounds what it used to be, even just a couple of years ago. And as far as film, bro, people still go to the movies. People still go to drive-ins. I just went to a drive-in last month. My point is, is this. Physical spaces are becoming less and less prevalent as technology grows. But none of that is ever going to perfectly mimic real life. Or just the tactile nature of opening a new game. Some things will never go away. Look at comic books, man. Of all the printed media out there, comic books are still here. People still read them. I'm excited to see the future of gaming. I'm excited to see what benefits cloud gaming and the all-digital future have to bring us as gamers and as appreciators of really any medium, whether it be music or film or movies or, or, or whatever you enjoy i hope that technology can continue to be a added benefit to these things to add value to these things and not cheapen them distort them or pervert them and i think that is the big fear that you see with a lot of people when you see gamers go Oof, to cloud gaming or digital only download only but let's go ahead and end it there just remember None of this is going away. It will always be around forever. People will always emulate. Collectors will still be around. You'll still be able to buy some of your games, at least for this entire generation. And the next generation, we'll see. We'll be there. We'll cross that bridge together. But you've heard what I think. Tell me what you think. Go ahead and holler at me. Come and join us and be a part of a growing community. And don't forget to support the show. You can reach us on our socials. Twitter and Instagram at Wacops. That's W H A C K O P Z. You can also write into the show with questions, concerns, comments, whatever, at our Gmail, Wackops at gmail.com. That's W H A C K O P Z. Wackops at gmail.com. Please don't forget to subscribe, share, download, and review. If you showing love, I need the sub. If you're trying to holler, I need the follow. If you're enjoying the content, Don't forget to comment, and if you are liking what we do, download, share, and review. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and wherever you enjoy podcasts. Before we get up out of here, we're going to go ahead and talk about last week's Twitter poll, as well as this week's Twitter poll. Last week we asked, with Sony's announcement of God of War coming to PC, what PlayStation exclusive do you want to see ported to PC next? Ratchet & Clank, Bloodborne, Ghost of Tsushima, or Gran Turismo 7. And the winner, with 40% of the vote, was Bloodborne. Now, it came close, but unfortunately, Ratchet & Clank only received one of those votes. It looks like most people are looking for Bloodborne to be played in that sweet, sweet 4K120, or at the very least, have the option to push those graphical settings as high as they can go because that game is starting to show its age now this week our twitter question and again you can participate by following us and voting on our twitter at WACOps. this week we are asking if you could only purchase one game in the month of november which game would it be now your choices are call of duty vanguard Forza Horizon 5, Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl, or Grand Theft Auto, the Trilogy, the Definitive Edition. If you don't see what you like there, please comment down below. And we're going to go ahead and leave you, as we always do, with the shout out of the week where we give people their flowers and hold them up high. And we got two, not one, but two Twitch streamers doing big things for you today. First, it's Pokemane. For those of you who don't know what Pokemane is, she is one of the top Twitch streamers. Definitely go check her out. Pokemane is now part owner in the EVO eSports tournament. This is according to PC Gamer. Quote main, Pokemane Ains. Is that really her name? Immaine Ains? Wow. Emaine Pokemane Ains, <laughs> one of Twitch's most successful streamers, announced on Wednesday that she's the co founder and chief creative officer of RTS, a quote, talent management and branding consulting firm, end quote, for gaming creators. Buried in the announcement is the weirder, more interesting detail that RTS is the very same company that purchased the beloved fighting game tournament EVO with Sony earlier this year. Man, I just want to say congratulations to Pokimane. Congratulations for legitimizing gaming in the business space and showing creators how to cross over into the business side of gaming. I love to see it. Please, if you are a content creator, please look for a job in the gaming space. Please represent us. Please hire your friends like and I mean like your diverse a diverse group of your friends, quite frankly. But I'm excited to see somebody who is a creator, cross over because it gives hope to a lot of creators who, quite frankly, work regular day jobs like a guy like me who would prefer to be working in gaming and making big moves in that space. I'm very excited for Pogomain. Definitely a round of applause for Pogomain. And let's hope she can hold the door open for more of us to walk through. Next, our second shout out of the week goes to T-Pain, who is holding a Twitch listening party right now. Now, at the time of this recording, now this is coming to us from Variety. Quote, hip hop icon T Pain has entered into a content partnership with Twitch, which kicks off tonight with an exclusive listening party featuring the debut of his hit single, I'm Cool With That. Now, again, this is being, uh, this has already been live streamed at 5 p.m. at the time uh, on Thursday, at the time of this recording. It's already happened on his Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash but I will continue reading from Variety. Quote, In addition, under the new partnership, T-Pain will work with Twitch on other content for the platform, including monthly Post your Song and Post your Beat reviews from community producers on his channel. The new track also was the first song, quote, Created and released with my community, and I hope this is just the start of a journey. Twitch and I are about to go on to uplift and strengthen the music community on Twitch, T-Pain said, end quote. I absolutely love, love, love seeing these businesses reach out to community-based creators. Because that is something that's big in T-Pain's space. He is a community-based creator. He's not just doing just his own thing. He's definitely doing stuff with other folks. I love to see engagement. Also, I like seeing businesses allow for autonomy on their platform from these creators. It seems like T-Pain continues to win, 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 no matter what in the gaming space. And I am totally rooting for my man. I think he can continue to make gaming a lot more palatable. Like I said earlier, the cross-section between gaming and hip-hop I love to see any space where that's going on. So shout out to T-Pain. I hope he continues to do his thing and make waves for us. With that, it's time to close it out. You guys got an extra long episode this week, and I will miss you, but we'll be back next Friday, as we always are. And I hope that you can enjoy your happy Halloween, whether you're inside or outside. Have fun. Thank you very much for being here. I am Wack Ops. This is Hardcore Casual. Have fun, be cool, and stay dangerous. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Hardcore Casual. Join us next Friday with your friendly neighborhood news aggregator, Wack You can also follow us on social media at Wack on Instagram and Twitter. Support the show by downloading, sharing and reviewing. Available on Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon and Stitcher. See you next week.